we all have a leadership legacy, which is a bigger picture purpose to our leadership. Something that we bring to every initiative, project, interaction, relationship that we have. Welcome to the Power of Respect podcast with Charlie Likewise, author of the book, The Power of Respect in Business. Charlie is one of America's foremost authorities on respect and leadership development. And now, here's Charlie. Hello, I'm Charlie Likewise. Welcome to another episode of the Power of Respect podcast. Today, we're talking about the power of respect and courage in leadership. My guest today is Amy Riley. Amy is the founder of Shoop Consulting, and their mission is to help client organizations achieve breakthrough results. Amy holds a master's degree in training and development from Loyola University in Chicago and has achieved a number of certifications, including in human resource development, behavior analysis, and executive coaching. She is also a keynote speaker and an author. Her recent book is titled The Courage of a Leader. Welcome, Amy. I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Charlie. I'm glad to be here for this conversation. Yeah, so, you know, courage and leadership, you know, are linked together. And I think we're gonna have a great conversation about that. I'm, I'm interested in, in your passion about leadership development that kind of brought you to where you are. Yeah, when I first became an external consultant, Charlie, I initially thought it was gonna be any kind of customized learning and development. And I fairly quickly learned that I'm interested in helping these leaders who have so much coming at them from their teams, from their colleagues, from their, their bosses, right? From the marketplace, from competitors, suppliers, all kinds of stakeholders. And we know that the, the challenges have done nothing but get more dynamic recently. And I, yeah, I wanna support leaders. It seems like, to me, it made sense. Like this is the linchpin, like helping leaders to do their job well is how we're gonna make the best impact. Right, no, I think that makes sense because the leaders in turn impact so many others. Yes. Uh, one of the, one of the uh, stakeholders, if you will, in your list that I was thinking about as well was also things coming at them from their family and their regular life side. As, as you noted before. Um, so when we when we talk about um, respect, and you and I talked about this briefly before, um, I was interested in, in your view on respect, maybe even some experiential stories about respect, both when you received it and how that made you feel, and then perhaps when you saw or felt it, there wasn't respect given to you in a, in a situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, since I started listening to your podcast, Charlie, I've been thinking about respect right, and how it plays together with courage. And, you know, there are the courage of a leader, four pillars that are covered in my book. And I think the first two very directly are intertwined with how you think and speak about respect. Uh, the first being the courage to be authentically you. And I think when and the second one being the courage to say what needs to be said. But going back to that first one, I believe that 
leadership can be much more about our beliefs, our intentions, our perspectives than robotically getting some set of behaviors exactly right. Now, obviously, you don't want to say something that's insulting to someone or do something violent, right? Like there's there's boundaries here for these behaviors. But I think that people can tell, they can feel it when you're being genuine, when you're, you, you know, if we've had that person that is seemingly saying and doing all the right things, but we're not buying it, mm-hmm. there's something that's not lined up there in the beliefs. And I dare say that part of that would be would be respect. No, absolutely. I, you know, and, and a lot of people use the word trust as well. To me, trust is merely the T in respect because <laughs> trust comes yeah, I like that. respect for me. Um, because again, you've got to build that over time and how you treat other people. So in, in your experience as, a, as an expert behavioral analysis person, um, let's, let's talk about what you've seen in, in specific examples relative to uh, trust, respect, and, and courage. Yeah, there's, um, there's a big one that comes to mind uh, with a uh, Fortune 100 company client of mine. I was in a meeting with a sales leader and Charlie, she was introducing a new business model uh, that would change everything, right? They were going from from selling some products and some solutions to like reoccurring revenues and um, memberships and it it was going to look totally different. And I was thinking about, since we've talked, Charlie, the layers of respect that were present in that conversation. So she showed up and she said, we need to shift, right? To stay competitive, here's what we need to do and um, had a uh, high level vision. But then she said to everyone in that room, I do not know exactly how we're gonna get there. I do know that we have all the talent and expertise in the room that we need in order to get there and had the respect for all of them to not make up what she didn't know, right? To say what she knew, say what she didn't know, and say, I'm, I'm ready and willing to have everybody step in and step up and let's figure out together how we are gonna get there. I'm gonna need all of your expertise. But I think it's also respectful to, to let them know, like, here's the high level vision, we're definitely going this way, I'm, you know, I'm being bold and I'm saying this, right, and have confidence in that. And now let's figure out how to get there together. Well, I think engaging others and letting them participate in the solution is one of the ultimate versions of respect. You're recognizing them for their abilities um, individually and as a group to be able to contribute. You, and you started out in that example by her telling them how what they do could improve or affect the business. And I think that's missing for a lot of people. They're, they're, everybody's working hard in many organizations. And, and before you know it, you find out that they're like, well, I don't really know what my value is here. Or they don't feel that they know what their value is here. <clears throat> and the example you just gave uh, sort of put their value front and center. And I think that's, that's a key message. If I may, it reminds me of a story as well that uh, a guy that was the CEO of a company when I was the COO 
and he was talking to me about marketing <clears throat> and sales and he talked about uh, a strategy for marketing and he brought all the marketing people together he was explaining to me and he said and he says i got them all in the room and he says in, in 20 minutes or a half hour i could have told them everything they need to know about executing the strategy he said but instead i wanted i took four hours working with them and soliciting their comments to get through an understanding and a solution and he, he said to me he says charlie always take the four hours <laughs> come here and i think that's that's another element that says how do you engage others uh, for the purpose of, of really making improvement which is is faster than the other way and more sustainable in my opinion yeah yeah and 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 you know and maybe we would know uh, you know how to get there or we know 98% of it, right? But that that 2% or, you know, they're putting um, their best thinking into it, right? There can, there can be changes and enhancements that make all the difference. I'm um, starting to work with a new client and we're gonna do a strategic planning process together. And I was talking to, it's a new CEO, um, about who he had envisioned uh, involving in the strategic planning process. And Charlie, I was so happy when he said the entire leadership team, mm -hmm. right? And we're, gonna, and we're gonna do surveys and solicit input from you know, the entire, uh, you know, all the, the entire workforce, all the employees. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. People people forget about the, the smallest thing makes the biggest difference. You build a house, assuming for a second it's built of wood, the wood costs a fortune. The nails don't cost that much. But without <laughs> the nails, it it won't stay together. That's not gonna work. Not gonna work. So tell tell us more about the concepts that are in your book. The the uh, the book regarding the courage of a leader. Yeah. Um it's, it's 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 a pretty thick book, uh, and the the key concepts that come to mind uh, first is leadership legacy, mm -hmm. that we all have a leadership legacy, which is a bigger picture purpose to our leadership, something that we bring to every initiative, project, interaction, relationship that we have. Someone's leadership legacy could be innovative thinking. It could be bringing care and compassion. It could be building diverse teams, right? It could be a, a new business model, a new set of processes, mm -hmm. right? But, but the, this becomes a bigger picture commitment that calls us to be bigger than ourselves and to step into our purpose. Um, I'm also a big believer in strengths-based leadership. Right. So, of course, our leadership legacy is in an area where we feel strong and we have interest. Mm -hmm. We have passion and we bring that unique gift to the world. Yeah, no, I think that that allows people to to understand the vision and want to follow it. Yeah. And be part of it as well. So I, we also talked once before about em emotional scales or the concept of emotions. Yeah. Um, say a little bit more about that as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I really love that when we both found out that we had uh, emotional scale in our books. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can, you can think about it and talk about it from a couple of different angles. Um, I think the place I talk about it in the, the most in the book is around about resilience. 
right? We can have um, mental resilience, emotional resilience, physical resilience, but looking at that emotional re resilience and where we are on the emotional scale and bringing awareness to that because our brains have what's the number 60,000 80,000 I've heard different numbers about the number of thoughts running through our heads every day so even if just a portion of those are you can't do that or they're all never going to get it they're not going to get on board with that who do you think you are to do this thing right if we have these negative thoughts running through our head what what is that stemming from where are we at energetically emotionally right? Are we kind of like at a low grade frustration? <laughs> are we kind of like, at a, you know, are we cynical? Um, you know, do we feel burnt out in that moment? And I always say, not trying to uh, shift ourselves from frustrated to enlightened and optimistic and awesome, like make a big jump energetically. Right. But how can you take one step up? on the emotional scale. And sometimes that's going from something that's frustrated to something like like apathetic. Right? I'm just going to neutral. <laughs> right? I'm going to I'm going to choose to not be wound up about that in this in this moment. And that's an energetic upgrade. Right. No, I, I think that's I think that's right for people to understand that we are all on an emotional scale of some kind. And, and it may be different, certainly in terms of the words we may use or our understanding of it, maybe different person to person. But the yeah. concept you're describing is the same in terms of the results. And, and the ability for someone to be able to monitor their movement, and as you suggest, making sure their, their movements are in line with the progress of the, of the discussion or the people you're dealing with, to understand what moves us ourselves up and down that scale, which again is going to be a little different for each of us. Um, to make sure that mm -hmm. we're not going from uh, everything's fine here, or I'm, I'm listening to all of a sudden I'm frustrated or angry and now I'm not listening. And worst of all, I'm, I'm shutting people down by the way I'm either acting or talking to them. Yeah, so I think that's important as well. Yeah, and now I'm no longer showing you respect in this conversation and just how easy it is to spiral up or to spiral down, right? Right, And we can make that choice to send it in the upward direction. Right. So much, oh, go ahead, Charlie. Sorry, no, that's right, and, and, and we're all human, so it's not about being perfect. It's about recognizing what you're talking about and being able to manage it as effectively as possible. And, yeah. as, and as I've said in the book as well, the, the whole concept of respect doesn't mean you're doing it perfectly every time because we're not gonna be able to as humans. But the key is, if you think about it, if if there's a small improvement, if somebody can do that 5% more of the time, just think about the, the positive impact that could be. In, in your case, if they could understand how to get into or out of quickly the stages they're at to be more effective, at least 5% of the time, just think how much more they're going to be effective. Yes, I love that, Charlie, about the 5% or what I said about like just the, the one step up. And I'm probably talking to my myself to a great degree there because I, you know, I see an emotional scale. It's like, I want to live at the top of that scale. Like, that's lovely. And I'll notice that I'm near the bottom of the scale and I want to like take a big leap to the top. But we're we're humans and stuff is happening. And your 5% makes such a big difference. Someone once shared this analogy with me and said, you know, pretend you're a small boat on the big, vast ocean. 
right? And you're you're moving straight ahead in that direction. Look at on, on the horizon where you're gonna end up. And then you just shift that boat direction mm-hmm. by just 5%. Mm-hmm. Now look out at the horizon. You're ending up in a completely different spot. Right. It, it can be done as long as we're, we're paying attention and being honest with ourselves about it and, and seeking the feedback from others. Cause this gets to the courage side to show people respect follows a lot of concepts we've talked about, including listening longer, uh, understanding that if you're right now, you'll be right later. So you can wait <laughs> the example. I give the four out, take the four hours. It takes courage. I think to make sure you're showing other people respect and not worrying about how you appear to be in the circumstances. Yes. I think you've encountered that before and you've got some examples of that perhaps. Yes, yes. I, I love your question of, you know, that, that taking that pause in the moment and how can I respect this person? Mm-hmm. And it does take courage to take that pause, right? Because we're worried about, um, yeah, what to say next or, oh, I don't think they know about, you know, this aspect of our solution. I better tell them about that right away instead of how can I pause? How can I respect this person in this moment? I, I know you and I talked about a personal example that I had where um, I didn't do a great job of, of taking the pause, right? There's also, there's moments where we can feel disrespected because of something that triggers us because of our filter or our interpretation of it. Right. It might not have been the intention of the other person at all. Right. I know I told you I was at um, a football game for my son and he had um, a wound. He had a wound. It it scabs up nicely during the week and then he goes to a football game and it breaks open and it bleeds. We're we're finally on the other side of that, Charlie. It's actually healed over now. Oh, good. (laughs) But, um, you know, my son is flagging us from the the field that he needs a Band-Aid. Well, we were out of all of the big ones that we had bought for him. So my husband has a first aid kit in his backpack, of course. So I'm looking at the band-aid and I'm like, yeah, I think this is gonna fit. There's a family member who has seen, you know, my son's wound probably twice. I see it every day and they start piping up and telling me about, you know, whether the band-aid's gonna fit or not. And that's a trigger for me. Charlie, when someone tells me something that I feel like it's obvious that I know, Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why, why would they explain that to me? Like, I find it in, in, insulting, like it hurts me at some level that it feels like the, like I need this help. And, you know, then, then my anger will come to cover that up, right? Cover up that hurt. Right. And, you know, and so there was not the pause in the moment. And instead, what came out of my mouth was like, I know the size of my son's wound. Right. I look at it every day. Right. But you've looked at it twice. So, you know, you can, you know, you can tell me what's going to work here. But you know, I didn't say all that out loud. But I said those first two things out loud. And I didn't take that courageous pause, the leadership pause, the respect pause, whatever you want to call it. Right. Well, and as we discussed that example, also, the person giving that advice may have been well-intentioned totally not realized what they were doing but then your reaction may have in turn made them feel disrespected so totally. again, 
there's a there's it's like you know there's a reaction and and a and a reaction to that reaction and that chain can get out of hand pretty quick if we're not careful so it's not just the the element in the moment because sometimes we can actually go back and say something that it helps explain why why i reacted that way and we should always take the time to do it and that takes courage as well absolutely uh, so, yeah you know, when we when we overreact or we're wrong about something and we're all going to be wrong about something sooner or later or often uh it it takes courage to, to show the respect to someone else by explaining hey look you know i didn't mean to say it that way here was my frustration and and, and then move on to that conversation i think it's a technique that a lot of people would benefit from if they again can understand what is their emotional scale and in advance understand the triggers that are likely to cause that because mm -hmm. it, it takes prevention if it's in the moment it's probably too late but mm. if you think in advance i feel the warning signs i feel i feel i'm hearing things i'm seeing things that i know is going to make me frustrated or angry that's when i need to start pausing so i don't go to that place where i'm ineffective and no longer helping people yeah, I think this. Th I think this is so important to point to self awareness yeah. as yeah. a key to being respectful in our interactions. And like you called out, Charlie, we're we're humans and we're gonna make mistakes, especially if we're striving for a more diverse, inclusive world team, <laughs> co colleagues. Right, then we are not aware of all of their experiences, filters, values, right? Just the way that they've been socialized to see the world uh, could have different aspects, very different aspects than our own. And we might unintentionally trigger something. No, that's 100%. That's a great, a great example and a great lesson. So, at the heart of some of this we're talking about strikes me as being communication, mm. communication style. So what's been your most effective communication strategies and why do you feel they were successful? Yes. Um, yeah, so I am certified in DISC and certified in Myers-Briggs, and I love to have these explorations in groups about preferences and how does that mean that we show up and communicate differently. And I think a friend, um, like a, a universal guidance, if you will, across that is to be overt about our process. Meaning things like my intention for this conversation is to brainstorm new ideas. I don't want to evaluate anything in this conversation. We'll do that in the next conversation, right? Or um, I, I think we're thinking about like, like time out, let's back away from the content for a moment. Mm -hmm. I think we're coming at this from two different angles and maybe, you know, we're using the same word, but we have different meanings for it. Let, let's back up, right? Or, or let's back up. Let's hear what you're trying to achieve. And then I'll share what I'm trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. But being overt about intentions for a conversation, right? This is even saying something like this is not meant to be a punitive conversation, right? But I want to look at how we can do X, Y, Z differently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can 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 we you know can we we step into that kind of conversation? Yeah, and I think that that fits into one of my previous guests on the podcast was talking along those similar lines, and and she said sometimes when somebody says something that I didn't agree with or don't really understand, I may she may say, 
Well, you know, I actually didn't think about it that way. Can you tell me more about what you're thinking along those lines? And it struck me as that that's a simple enough thing to say, provided where our emotions are somewhat under control. <laughs> um, and but those are the kind of techniques and tips, uh, little as they may be, that really help things to be more effective. Um, yeah, oh, it's, a, it's the good old eye language too, Charlie. <laughs> right, the good old eye. Because when somebody's saying something, what might be running through our head is like, what? why like what why why is why is that the way they're thinking about this and it can feel it can put someone else on the defensive to ask a why question like why are you approaching it that way tone of course plays plays a big role as well but to say like oh i hadn't thought of it that way Mm -hmm. right and then tell me more or why then i think you set up your like yeah tell me why you're you're thinking about it that way you're admitting of the possibility of other ideas when you do that and and you should always and again i'm an analytical person uh, and it makes it difficult for me to think about that all the time because i'm problem solving in my brain what would you say we have six thousand thoughts a day and or whatever that was yeah most of them in my mind are solving some problem i think (laughs) and therefore when i'm not listening i'm probably not processing or solving them as best as i can Yes, but what's going on in your brain is still well-intentioned. Yeah, oh yeah. You're trying to solve the problem for them. You've just stepped away from active listening. <laughs> That's right. And and, I, and I've told this story before, so I know it's on other podcasts, and I don't mean to, to repeat too many things for the audience uh, because I like the, the additional thoughts our guests bring, but it, it goes back to a story about a, a guy that I knew that was so good at listening, I, I couldn't believe it. And so one one day, because being analytical, I've said, going, somebody tells me a, an issue in my mind before they finish talking, I'm down the road in my mind. I know where they're going. I've got the solution. And they're looking at me like, you know, dude, you're not listening. And I think I'm listening, but I'm never really not. Yeah. And, and the, the guy I mentioned who I've known for long, so good at listening. I said, how do you do that? He said, you're smart, John, but but I'm smart. How come I can't do that? And he would say, he said two words. He said, listen longer. Love that. And, and as I've said before, first of all, it's two words, so it's easier for me to remember. But the fact is, you'll, you may find that where you thought they were going wasn't. And, and, and if so, you'll be better off listening longer. They'll know you're listening to them. And I marry that with my other concept that I developed called, if you're right now, you'll be right later. You can afford to wait. But I think that the word I was missing there, you, you need to have the courage to wait also. Uh-huh. That's a key yeah. part. Yeah. Well, and the self-awareness to catch that trigger, Charlie, that the trigger that, oh, I've got this. I know where they're going with this. Right. Once we think we figured it out, listen longer. Yeah. Warning, 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 Will Robinson. (laughs) Your brain's about to jump ahead. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So what what would you say you're you're most proud of as a leader yourself? Ah. I I feel most proud, I feel most inspired when I see other leaders stepping into their leadership legacies. That's my leadership legacy. Mm-hmm. Empower other leaders to step into their leadership legacy. Mm-hmm. And when they're owning their power, oh, um, I worked with a leader who, um, had a leadership legacy around creating fully optimized enterprise-wide software systems. 
That's what she did in her role in different organizations. And when I was working with her, she was in an organization where there's some senior leaders that were really pushing her to speed up implementation timelines and Mm -hmm. to, to get this done faster, right? Like find us all the shortcuts. And I kept asking her, what did your leadership legacy tell you to do? What does your leadership legacy want? And, you know, at different times, it was like more discussion, more benchmarking. We need more information about this. And so she kept pushing back and staying true to her leadership legacy. And it got shaky at times. And there there would be other leaders that are like, why are you pushing back against this executive? This does not seem like a good career move. And her leadership legacy ultimately prevailed. Mm-hmm. But Charlie, to be with her on that journey and seeing her do that, I get goosebumps talking about it. I, I mean, I was just like so proud of her and, you know, just like playing that big. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, staying committed to her purpose. Well, and she had the courage to do it, as you would say. Absolutely. It wasn't well, easy, but <laughs> it's not it's not a case of delaying or dragging your feet. It's it's a legitimate effort to have this thing come out right, which is so important for the organization. Yeah. And then they and they hit an impressive um, timeline anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So this may, you may have just given me the example, but my, my question of is, you know, tell me about a leader who most influenced you. Now, obviously, this woman influenced you as well, mm. but you were helping her. So maybe it goes back to before that a leader that most influenced you? I got someone. Yeah. Um, I actually just um, went to to visit her. She lives in another state and my, myself and another friend and colleague went to went to visit her. She's been a, a, a mentor for a long time. Yeah. Um, one of my it was my first global role like I'm responsible for learning and development globally she was the head of um, organization development and this is when I really um, doubled down on the idea of strengths-based leadership she and I had complementary strengths and she was the first leader to talk to me overtly about that you know here's what I bring here's what you bring and our and style differences Right. And overtly, like she would be like, it's too much, it's too many details, Amy. <laughs> right. You're, you're stepping out of my comfort zone there. I'm like, okay, I got it. I'm stepping up a level. But to overtly, we, we did some of the things that you and I have talked about in this podcast, Charlie. We talked overtly about process and content in communication. We talked overtly about how to, um, leverage our strengths. And she also had a way, um, I'm a big believer in give folks the respect of giving them the feedback, mm-hmm. right? If they didn't have the kind of impact that they were intending to have, let someone know that, right? What? Some of the most painful moments for me is when I find out I was doing something for four months that annoyed someone. And mm-hmm. it would have been an easy change, you know, oh my gosh, just let me know that. Right. Um, she had a great way of giving the constructive feedback with love and intention, right? And it was about sharing her intentions and why she was sharing this feedback. So she role modeled early in my career some things that have stuck with me mm-hmm. uh, that 
I've been been spreading as wide as I can. <laughs> right. No, that's that's great. When when we learn things and, and get the good advice to share them with others makes the whole the whole situation so much better. Yeah. I want to thank Amy Riley for being with us today, and I especially want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Power of Respect. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the podcast and visit our website at expertsinhow.com. A quick reminder, if you'd like to read my book, The Power of Respect in Business, it's available on Amazon. And thanks again for listening. And remember, respect builds trust, trust builds relationships, and relationships are the key to leadership. Thank you. This has been the Power of Respect podcast with Charlie Likewise, author of the book, The Power of Respect in Business. To listen to more episodes and to learn about Charlie's leadership development programs, visit his website, expertsinhow.com.